Welcome to the Legal Marketing 2.0 Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Barron, and this is a show where we examine the latest trends in digital marketing to help you get more leads and more clients. In today's episode, I chat with Stephanie Marone about making the jump from big law marketer to working in a smaller firm and the challenges and some advice on working in both environments. We talk about doing more with less and we have a a pretty cool conversation about content strategy instead of, as Stephanie notes, creating random acts of content. But before we jump into the episode, I want to ask you a question. Do you struggle with digital marketing and how to make it work for you and for your firm? If so, please go to lawfirmmarketinghelp.com and sign up for a free digital audit. The audit will provide you with all of the information you need to build a blueprint for your digital strategy to produce the results that you want. All right, on with the show. Stephanie Marone is the Director of Business Development and Marketing for Tartar, Krinsky & Drogan. It's a law firm here in New York City, and she is a frequent speaker on a wide range of topics, including communications, content marketing, and social media. And Stephanie is very involved with the legal marketing community here in New York City. Hi, Stephanie, and welcome to the Legal Marketing 2.0 podcast. Hi, Tim. Thank you for having me today. All right. So you work in business development at some of the top law firms in the world. And in that role, just naturally in a business development role, you help generate a lot of revenue for different firms. Can you speak broadly to the different challenges that law firm marketers face based on the size of firm? Yeah, so in general, I think that uh, coming from, so coming to a smaller firm from a big firm, there are so many challenges uh, that, that, that firms of this size face. Um, one of them is just not being as well known in the market. So there's a lot more hurdles in terms of fighting for those coveted media placements. So I feel that, um, you know, owned media is a little bit more important in some ways than earned media because it's harder to get the earned media. Um, I also, obviously, budget is a huge concern. I had an unlimited budget um, at my, you know, when I was in big law, and now I have to do just as much of the same amount of work, but with a much more, uh, you know, scaled back budget. Um, obviously, to that, you know, further to that point is staffing. So I obviously don't have the kind of staff that I did before. But on the flip side, on a very positive note, I'm able to now work more closely with outside business partners, um, which is a term I like to use versus vendor or service provider because the people on the outside are truly my business partners. And so now I'm able to have a whole basin of terrific uh, web designers, SEO providers, graphic designers, and all other sorts of consultants like writers and editors and things like that that I didn't really have access to because, you know, before, and I get to pick those people. Um, so there, there's that. There's obviously um, difference in terms of, I think, the quality of life, and, and this is a really good thing. Um, I don't wake up anymore with 
you know, a hundred emails from offices all over the world. Um, and I'm able to focus a little bit more. Um, I'm not saying that I have less work to do, but with one office, with one real main office and 75 lawyers versus 700 lawyers, I'm able to really focus my attention and really dig deep in the trenches. So while there's only one of me, I'm able to really kind of um, focus and give a little bit more to each project. I felt like I was stretched very thin in big law, no matter how hard I tried to give 100% to everything I was doing. I had a hard time doing that. And here, I'm just able to do that. Um, the, the, I guess the flip side to that is the, the, you know, the more successful you are at what you do, uh, people see the results and they want more of you. So it's you know, still getting pulled in a million different directions and really trying to focus on those core practices and those core industries and those things that are client-facing that really will make a difference and help with that new generation. And I always encourage people to really think about that. And I encourage, you know, internally to our lawyers to really think about those things that are really going to make a difference in terms of revenue generation. So I do want to ask you about, you mentioned owned media versus earned media. And I do want you to go into, um, tell us a little bit about the difference between that. But before, would you say, just based on what you were just, um, on what you were just saying, that big law versus small law, one of the advantages is like the decision-making process for any initiative that you have to do is a lot shorter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, 100%. So I report directly to the managing partner. We do have an executive committee. There are five lawyers on the executive committee, but um, I really do have free reign to do things, uh, you know, within reason. So when I started, I, I provided a proposal with, um, you know, with a sort of short and long-term proposal for what I plan to do at the firm. And obviously, I've had to amend that proposal, uh, you know, as different things have come up. But it was pretty clear. I sat down with the managing partner at the beginning of the year, and we sat down. These are the things that are really important to the firm on the business development side and then on the communication side. And then there, there are some infrastructure things as well. And we agreed on those. And within that area and within my budget, you know, he does let me run with those things. I think that, you know, there's obviously things I, I do within certain practices that still require approval of a certain practice head. Um, there are still things like that. But the sheer number of lawyers is less. The sheer number of, uh, you know, the sheer number of just hurdles is less. There's less bureaucracy. Um, there's also, I think, an opportunity for small and mid-sized firms to take more risk. So big law, you know, tends to, I think, more so lag behind uh, other companies and other law, other law firms in the industry in terms of wanting, not wanting to take risks, wanting to look at their competitors and see what they're doing. And, you know, kind of doing more of the same. And this is not, again, this is a mass generalization, but it does tend to be traditional. It does tend to be averse to kind of being innovative in some ways, depending on which firm it is. And I think with smaller firms, you have the ability to do things a little bit more out of the box and to take a risk. Um, for example, you know, using sponsor content on LinkedIn is something I had always wanted to do at a big firm, and I had trouble encouraging lawyers and and my superiors to take a risk. They they were averse to that sort of a thing. You know, we don't pay for that kind of paid paid thing, paid advertising, and this firm has allowed me to to do that. Um, 
And this dovetails really well with the difference between, you know, earned and owned media and why it's so important, I think, for, for small firms to really utilize these tools. So the, the definition or the difference between the two is, um, so earned media is when you obtain a media placement from someone or some other publication besides your own, you know, your, your own firm putting something out. So it's not you writing something about yourself. It's um, another third party writing something about you. It could be a media placement, a quote, it could be an article, it could be anything. It's just not on your own website. It's not a client alert that you're publishing or a blog post or anything that, that again, is generated by your firm. What owned media is, is something, obviously, conversely, it's the things that your firm is putting out itself. So it could be an article, it's the client alerts, it's blog posts, it's social media, it's anything. It's a, it could be a spotlight on a client. It could be a spotlight on a lawyer. And what I like to do with these is maximize them at every opportunity and use them to fill in the blanks and fill in, I guess, uh, you know, the holes where I can't get the, the really high-end media placements um, because those are hard to get when you're not a household name in the legal industry. So I will still get those. Um, and a lot of times we'll go for niche publications, but I can really often some, um, put something on our website focusing on a client or focusing on a certain industry or area and then push that out also using our content marketing strategy on a host of different platforms, including social media. So it just gives firms, I think, another way to highlight themselves and really disseminate information about themselves in a very meaningful way to reach their clients and other very important target audiences. And so this involves creating a content strategy to really think about, you know, who you're trying to reach and what you're trying to do. But I think it could be very effective for small and mid-sized firms and it doesn't cost anything if you can do the writing and, you know, do a social media, you know, graphic or some sort of graphic yourself. Um, these campaigns are very affordable to do and really do turn up the volume on, you know, visibility and brand enhancement for your firm. You segued beautifully into that second part, Stephanie, I have to say, um, in terms of identifying what owned versus earned media is. But let's I want to talk a little bit about what you just mentioned, which is content strategy. It seems to me, um, and I see a lot of content being put out there, and, and kudos to firms and companies. I like what you call them, business partners in the legal space, um, putting out a ton of content. So they realize the value of content. But it seems to me, I'm, as I look at the content, the only strategy they have can be summarized in one word, which is more, right? Let's just, you know, you just throw everything mm -hmm. at the wall. Could you speak a little bit to content strategy? I think a lot of people get like bogged down um, and a little bit confused um, about how to go about creating a, con a content strategy that's suited for a particular audience or a particular firm. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think you said it really well that a lot of firms are doing, thinking that a content strategy means more, more, more. And you see that all the time. Um, I call it also random acts of content <laughs> where I see firms pushing out content on every single practice, every industry and every day. And to me, that's, a, you know, if you try to be everything to everybody, what you wind up 
doing is being nothing to everybody. Um, so, and I think this is a lesson not just for small and mid-sized firms, it's for every firm. And it's something we, I employed um, at, at all the major firms at which I worked, which was that you really need to focus on the core areas of practice and the core industries and the core initiatives that you really want to be known for. Um, you may have 50 practices and 50 industries, but you cannot promote every one of them um, equally. And it's just, you know, not feasible to do so. And I know as in-house marketing folks, we're often pulled in a lot of different directions and we're often given a piece of content and asked to do something with it. And that is going to happen no matter what, even if you do think that it's not the best written piece of content or it's not the focus of the firm. I was once asked to, you know, uh, promote a piece of content on a practice that I, I had never really heard of. It was one person at the firm was the head of the practice and it was not what we were known for. But sometimes we do need to do those things, you know, politically. And I would say if, if you do feel sometimes that, you know, your focus isn't on the right area, you know, obviously talk to your your boss or talk to your practice head, talk to someone about your feelings on that. Um, at my current firm, there's a ton of stuff going on in the immigration area. And one thing I'm mindful of is the fact that I don't want us to be known that to, for our clients to think that we are an immigration law firm because those are the updates that we're pushing out. But there's been so so much going on in the immigration world that we would be remiss to not be updating our clients on those those topics. So my goal is to work with other lawyers to push out content on those in those other areas. So in terms of a content strategy, I think you know content is a lot of different things. I think that one of the most effective ways to reach your clients is hitting them exactly where they are, and so you need to know where what your clients how your clients read content, right? So you may have clients that really just go straight to social media. So you'll want to hit them there and um, push out content there. You'll also want to um, put content out on email um, and push it to them, to their inboxes. I still think email is one of the most effective ways to reach in-house in-house um, folks and to just reach clients in general because they will see that that content right in their inboxes. Um, they are, you are competing with a lot of other firms on the same topics, but hopefully when they see your firm name, it does mean something to them. Um, and I think, you know, actually, so Guy Alvarez does work at Good To Be Social, said something to me once, and I've never forgotten it. I actually have it on a post-it note in my office, which is create once, publish everywhere. Um, so a lot of firms do this. They spend the time to create a piece of content work with the lawyers, take time away from their billable matters. They're creating content. And then the graphic department and the communications department writes up the synopsis of it. They post it on the website. They create a social media graphic. They maybe email something out to the clients. And then that's it. And it's never, you never hear from it again. Um, what you fail to realize, a lot of law firms fail to realize is that clients are really busy. So you may post it on LinkedIn one time, but they mean have not gone on LinkedIn that day or they may not have notifications set up to receive information um, to their inboxes. So you're missing out on so many people who may not have seen that valuable content. So what I have done, and I've never done this more than I did at a smaller firm simply because I don't have as much content as I did when I worked at a huge firm, we have a content calendar and on that calendar, we're mindful of um, duplicating the content we're producing, not spamming the, the, uh, our audiences, but changing the content around, always keeping the same shortened 
Google or Owly link because you want to track, you know, for, for tracking purposes. And we can get, you know, we can talk more about that if people don't um, have familiarity with that. But we change around the, the language. And there's so much that you can do with one piece of content. Even a simple client alert can provide just tons of opportunity for you to talk about different things within it. You can talk about a different statistic. You can break apart into different side digestible uh, nuggets of information, different things from there. One other strategy that we do is um, raise a question. So, uh, for example, let's say it's a labor and employment client alert. You could talk about what do employers need to know about X topic. Let's say it's the new freelancer rule in New York, or it's um, something involving overtime pay. There's a ton of different little words and different things that you can trigger. And if you start it with a question, or even better, 10 things or five things you need to know about X, um, you can really take apart any piece of content and find nuggets of good stuff in there. So I encourage everybody to really look at your content in a different way. I literally sit there with a yellow highlighter and I go through one piece of content and pull out the different kinds of things um, that I think would be interesting to people. Um, and again, I think you need to think about all the different vehicles and platforms that you can use to reach your clients. Um, if you're a tech firm, you want to be using Twitter, you want to be on the platforms that your clients are using and don't underestimate the power of LinkedIn and you need to also um, utilize employee advocacy. So um, every single time we send out a piece of content, here we will let the lawyers know, not only the lawyers who publish the content, but actually all of the lawyers um, who might be interested in sharing it with clients or contacts. Because just because it's a labor and employment update, that doesn't mean that only a labor and employment attorney would be one to share that with a labor and employment contact. You may be a finance attorney and have a significant client that may want to forward it to someone in the labor and employment area. You never know. These are the kinds of things, the personalized kinds of things that could really lead to new business. So um, those those are the kinds of, um, I don't know, personalized marketing efforts that we really encourage here. And I think it's a little bit more doable at a smaller firm, but that's by no means something that a bigger firm couldn't do within a certain practice area or industry group to encourage people to share content and think outside your practice area, think outside the box a little bit. And that's particularly important and relevant, certainly for smaller firms that don't have a lot of resources. So you produce a piece of content once and then you can repurpose it to so many different channels and in so many different formats and and i guess that includes from what you're saying social media so if if you're a, if you go, went from a, a large firm to a smaller firm and you don't have the resources that you had um and you need to use one of the things that you said is be where your clients are and i love that and but would you say that that if you don't have the resources, it's better to choose just a couple of channels as opposed to trying to be on all of the social media channels a little bit? Yeah, 100%. So we haven't yet, you know, forayed into Facebook. We have a Facebook page, but we don't have the, you know, I would say for a bigger firm, Facebook is very powerful for some of the more quality of life 
from culture things. Um, and I believe in the power of Facebook. It's going, the, the lines between professional and personal are getting more and more blurry every day. In the next couple of years, there's not going to be those lines, especially as our clients continue to get younger. Um, our, our lawyers are asking us every day, should I accept the friend request from my client? And we're on Instagram and those sorts of things. And we're saying, you know, utilize your judgment when it comes to these things. But I think in the next three years, you're going to see a real um, blurring of those lines between personal and professional. Um, but I do think that you can't, like I said before, you can't be everything to everybody. You're going to be completely stretched thin and you're going to be resizing images on every platform. You're going to be posting everywhere. I think the most important thing to do is to do an analysis and use use analytics to figure out where your clients are, what they're reading and how they're reading it. Um, you can do a lot of things um, for free with analytics. You know, you can really, I encourage people to look at even how they're getting to your website, how, what they're opening on your website, um, your email marketing campaigns, every single one will tr be able to tell you how, from where they came when they read a certain piece of content. And hopefully you're all doing trackable links that will enable you to have some rich information. So um, I think the first thing to do is, is to look at your analytics and it, it doesn't require, a, you know, it's not a full-time position to do that kind of thing. But I think you need to be where your clients are. And I think you need to focus your attention on a few platforms that you consider the most important. I think that everyone would agree that LinkedIn is the most important one for any size firm. And I think that if you're not on LinkedIn and using it in a way that's meaningful, um, it's something that you should do very quickly. And, and it's something that will not require, you know, a ton of, of money to do at, at all. These are things you can do in-house and it's easy to make a very strong impact on LinkedIn very quickly. Um, it's been difficult for us to get traction on Twitter but we still believe that it's important to be on Twitter. Um, but LinkedIn for us has been a very successful platform. And it, we hear that our clients are hearing about our events and they're hearing about our news uh, and different things or client alerts through LinkedIn. So to us, that's terrific. I think it's also very important to make sure your website is SEO optimized. So you need to really make sure you're working with, you know, you're working with a, a website provider that's providing that to you because you want every single piece of your content to be found on Google. Um, so you need to have somebody helping guide you with that, having the right amount of words, having the right amount of keywords in each piece of content. Um, and so I can't, I would say that those kinds of things are very important, that every single word that you put in every piece of content is strategic. Um, and so to really just be thoughtful and think about, you know, what, what you're writing and how you're writing it. I foresee a, a future event uh, or a conversation with the two of us on the advantages of LinkedIn versus Twitter. <laughs> and we go back, <laughs> we, go, we go back and forth. That would be awesome. Um, so you talked a little bit about just in all of the stuff that we've covered about how you can do inter including repurposing, how you can do things for not a lot of money and any other tips for law firm marketers going to smaller firms with smaller budgets about how they can do more or at least the same with less. Yes. So I think that, so, okay. So on the, 
On the content side, I would say repurpose, repurpose, repurpose would be my ultimate um, advice. So take every single thing you're doing. So even something as simple as your lawyers are going to an event or you sponsored a conference, there's no reason why the lawyer can't make themselves part of the conversation at the event. And if they're speaking, even that's even better. So for example, every lawyer who wants to go to an event at my firm has to not only say that they will you know, attend the full event, but they're going to write something about it. So there are two five takeaways from the ABA antitrust conference or five things I learned at blah, blah, blah conference. Then I have a piece of content that I can then run with as a client alert, you know, to email and post on the website and use for, for, to uh, on social media. So think about the fact that every single activity can be repurposed in different ways and you should maximize every opportunity that you have. Um, there's also tons of free tools out there. So, uh, you know, you, so we util, we repurpose even photos and you can go online and there's um, a tool for resizing photos online. Very easy, very quick. Um, there's tools that will tell you how to resize images for social media uh, very easily. Because one thing you don't want to do is if you're using social media, you want to look like you know how you're using it. Um, so be very careful that your your photos are the right size and that sort of thing because nothing says, you know, an antiquated law firm like the wrong size photo. Um, Canva.com is a terrific tool for firms that have a limited budget when it comes to graphic design. So this is a terrific tool that enables you to upload your logo and create tiny social media graphics that can be uploaded to and saved. Um, and you can make invitations. You can do lots of different things for free. But there's a, a lot of them that are free. You can also pay uh, a very, I would say, you know, reasonable cost to have access to some other imagery. And there are a lot of firms that are using this. I actually know big law firms that are using this, these tools so that they don't have to constantly go to their graphic design folks and ask them for help with doing these sorts of things. Um, and I would say, really, it's important to find very strong business partners. So it's cheaper in the long run in a lot of ways to utilize consultants and to utilize outside business partners than it is to hire somebody in-house. I like to keep my team very lean um, and to work with outside people because I don't, we don't need to pay them a full-time salary and benefits and those sorts of things. So, you know, I'll constantly be asking around the industry for people who can help you and fill in the blanks on those different areas that you need help. Um, I also keep you know, like I said, a content calendar so that my content, my content strategy is in a calendar that includes content and social media. And I'm happy to share that with anybody who would like to see that. Um, I think it's always a good idea to uh, work very closely and train the lawyers on things. So, uh, you know, lawyers can be a little nervous when it comes to, some lawyers, I should say, it would be a little nervous when it comes to technology. So I think it's very good to talk to them about how to utilize some of these online tools, you know, the encouragement about how to use LinkedIn, encouragement about even just listen, this is an article, I think you can share this with your clients, that sort of thing. Um, we do a lot of training here at the firm uh, for all employees, but we really focus on training for our lawyers in terms of things that they can do to really 
drive revenue and lead generation. So I've done a series of programs here um, for about you know networking and pipeline development. So we have a program here for the most from the most junior lawyer to the most senior lawyer can join, and it's essentially we meet once a month and we talk about business development strategies and we have everybody keep a list of three to five business development activities. So it could be three people that they want to get to know or build better connections with and then what they're going to do or back at the next meeting. It could be a combination of a meeting with two people, I want to write an article, or I want to speak at a conference or that sort of thing. It's just a business development and visibility initiative. And that's been incredibly successful in terms of holding people accountable and also letting other people hear what the other folks are doing and they feel inspired or they also feel a little shame that they should be doing more. So I think that, that is, um, that's been a terrific way for us to do things here. Um, and then I would say, you know, really think about everything you do should be about the client, right? The show and tell approach is always a better way to do things. So I really try to do less, as, as little content as I can about patting ourselves on the back for as great how great we are. So we all need to do those posts about the awards that we win and the big deal that we had. But I always try to find a way to showcase us and our practices and things we do in the client's eyes, right? So um, always write and always do everything you do should always have your client in mind. Um, and if you if you use that as the, your basic kind of guiding light, I think that you'd be well, um, you'd be in a really great position to be successful on the BD and on the marketing comm side, um, no matter what you do. And you will definitely stand out in the crowd of sending out content and sending, doing anything marketing-wise from an event to, you know, any kind of program that will really resonate with their clients. Great, great advice. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Tim. Before you go, if you like this episode, please subscribe to our podcast. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And you'll find the show notes for this episode along with all of the Legal Marketing 2.0 episodes at goodtobesocial.com. Thanks for listening.